Hello listeners, it's Jack here. This week's episode is a conversation I had with novelist Nicholas Obregon. Nick wrote the Inspector Iwata books, Blue Light Yokohama and Sins of Scarlet, which are great and available everywhere. Steve emigrated, if you remember, so it's just me on this episode. He'll be back for our playlist episodes and a trip to Newport Street Gallery over the next couple of weeks. But before we get started, let me tell you about my new web series, Gloss, which I wrote and directed. It's a comedy starring Emilio Iannucci, Adrian McLaughlin, both from The Death of Stalin. Let's listen to a clip. Auntie Irene? What happened? She's dead. How long's she been there? What time's that antiques programme on? There's no pulse. Well, there won't be. She's dead. Have you called an ambulance? <laughs> Phone's broke. How do you get teletext off this? Was she ill? Must have been. You'll have to do dinner. You can see Gloss at glosswebseries.com, vimeo.com slash glosswebseries, or open up the Vimeo app on your television, type Gloss Web Series in and you can watch it there. I hope you enjoy it. Let's get on with the show. Welcome to South London Hardcore. I'm Jack McEnroy. My co-host Steve Walsh is absent today. He moved to Ireland, as you'll remember. Uh, but he did one episode without me, so I think I'm fair enough to do one without him, then we're even, aren't we? Our guest this week is Nicholas Obregon, the author of Blue Light Yokohama and Sins of Scarlet, both available from uh, Penguin Michael Joseph, available in the usual places. Uh, we're going to talk about both books, about various cities, including South London, of course, crime fiction, and hopefully draw some big South London links. Welcome to the show, Nick. Thank you very much, Jack. So you're in LA now, Nick, yeah? I am. I live there. Permanent resident of the United States of America now. Well, do you think you'd ever go for the citizenship? <laughs> would do that, would you? I don't know. Well, for, to make my life easier, I would do it. As in, you don't have to faff around when you come through customs and yeah. all that. But um, then you've got to sort of like hold your hand up and look at Donald Trump and don't know if I can, <laughs> if I can yeah. stomach that. Give it a year. We'll see what happens in a year. But um, So... You've already got sort of three nationalities already. At least two, isn't it? At I know, least two. It's taking, the, taking the mickey now. Yeah. So you were born in... I was actually born in London, but my mum and my dad took me to Spain when I was a few weeks old, so I don't remember that. My dad is Spanish. My mum is French-Irish. She grew up in London. So when it didn't pan out between them, I went with my mum back to London when I was about eight or nine, and then lived here pretty much ever since, which is um, why I sound the way I sound. Yeah, yeah, I would never have... Uh, when, you, when you're when you in Madrid, yeah, yeah. you have uh, other hometown. Yes. Do you just sound like a... I thought I was going to say Madridista, but... <laughs> <laughs> that's not whoa, whoa! <laughs> that's not what you call someone from Madrid, is No, it, it isn't. <laughs> Unless they do support uh, Real Madrid. Well, no, um, do I sound like... Well, no, I sound like I'm from... Yeah, I don't sound like this when I'm over there. No, but they, would, they wouldn't suss Oh, no, they wouldn't. No, I'm, not like, I'm not like Olaf, fucking <laughs> out, mate. No, um... No, they wouldn't. They um, the only time I think they can kind of clock that something is off is because uh, I left when I was so young. My vocabulary in Spanish isn't what it is in English. Okay, yeah, yeah. Right, so that's only it's only like if I get into like I don't know conversation about philosophy or something, 
where I might be coming at it with like a 12 year old's vocabulary. <laughs> <Do you know laughs> I mean? Maybe I'm, I might be doing myself a disservice there, but no, I'd say that's the only main difference is that yeah. my word bank is a lot smaller in Spanish, but you wouldn't be able to tell by hearing me yeah, yeah. or looking at me maybe. So you grew up in North London, yeah? Grew up in North London, I did. I feel like we should sort of get to the South London part. Because when we first met, you were in South London. I was, it's literally yeah. around the corner from where we are now, in sort of the edge of Camp yeah, yeah. Brixton. Yeah, just off, uh, just on the Herne Hill Road, just off of uh, Loughborough Junction. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I lived there for a couple of years uh, with my mates. And um, the house, it was just a sort of flat share. We mm. moved in, it was lovely, brand new, sparkling uh, flat. And we said... Got to look after this. Three men living alone. We're going to look after this. We're going to clean this. And by the time we moved out, it was um, it was like a, yeah, it was chaos. But some good memories there. There's a drug dealer who lived downstairs. Yeah. Um, when in Rome, and um, <laughs> I, and that led to many late night sort of uh, calls on the buzzer. Oh, uh, wrong like, eh, eh, yeah. Can I come in a minute, please? <laughs> no. <laughs> Why did you move to South London? Though? Did you not sort of we um, just work out that way or? Yeah, well, we were looking at a few sort of places around there. Um, and at that time, so we're going back 10, 10 years. And at that time, um, I think we started off wanting to live in North London, around the, the sort of Kentish Town area, when me and one of my best mates had grown up. And then another mate was coming from Boreham Wood, which is just a hop and a skip on the overground from, uh, to Kentish Town. Yeah. But the flat prices for what they were, um, it, it wasn't a good deal. So we were like, oh, what about Brixton? Yeah, yeah. So it's sure, easy sure. into central London for yeah, all of yeah. us, and so I think at that time, ten years ago, it was just on the cusp of like still being like semi reasonable. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. think that ship might have sailed now somewhat, but yeah, to a degree. I mean, it's still sort of. It depends how much money you got, I suppose. Well, yeah. But like Campbell, it's you know Campbell edge of Brixton. Yeah. It's still you're not you're not quite in the heart of Brixton. Anymore. No, you're not, and it's still. I mean, you know, it's still like a bus ride really to the to the tube. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you, yeah. You exactly. can walk yeah, it, yeah. but it's still not like. Um, but, I mean, I do sort of remember coming here all the time with my granddad as a kid. Because he, uh, he would come here for the shops, the cheap shops. Oh, right, right. Because he was that type where he was like, no, we're going to trek across London. Yeah, to buy like a... Yeah, he's Irish. So, um, and I mean, he, but he'd grown up in Australia. So, through like a famine and all of that, right? Yeah, so, he right. was like, this is how you get the last strand of spaghetti through your the sprongs and your fork and yeah. it's like yeah but you've got like a six bedroom house like relax <laughs> but uh, yeah so yeah sort of really early memories of um, Electric Avenue and whatnot, and um, and I think sort of living here maybe it's the point in your life but also because you're sort of living with your mates and you're in your mid 20s hmm. where it's like where will we go what will happen and that for me those memories are very tied up with South London and yeah. the pubs and the you know all that. I think um, I always think Brixton is Kind of the 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 South London equivalent of Camden in a way. I'd say that's like fair. Camden is like it's grimy. Yeah. Uh, I mean, things have changed a bit over the years, but always yeah. it was the only sort of the only not the only place in London probably, but the only place where you where I would get off the tube and people would just openly be trying to sell you drugs. Yeah. And <laughs> skunk. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I don't know what that is. Yeah. Well, look, and I think as well, like in in there's a parallel because. Camden now still sort of has that grind but you kind of have to go off the, the main path a little bit to get it oh yeah you know I remember the sort of second hand shops where you'd be like oh can I buy this jean jacket for a fiver and the bloke would be like yeah but check if there are any syringes in the pockets <laughs> you know those are sort of gone now for like little boutiques and stuff and it's like you know goths are still there but now they're coming in on the train from Berkshire 
Yeah. Right. Berkshire. Come <laughs> American. From Berkshire. Um, whereas, I don't know. I, I don't want to be one of those people who's like, well, in my day, it was authentic. And, yeah, you know, yeah. but, but for sure, it's changed a lot. And um, and I don't want to be like, even for the better or for, or for worse, but the feeling, the energy there is completely different. Yeah, it absolutely is. Isn't it? I mean, it is. I think it is across London and sort of, I say across the world, but certainly like... I don't know, I went to New York recently right. and that was very much like, it was different to yeah. when I went in 2009. Right, I mean, right. No, I went in right, like right. 1980 or whatever. <laughs> right, right. But, you know, it's, you know, things have like, obviously things have gotten more corporate and yeah. sort of sanitised and whatnot. But I used to, Camden, I used to compare it to that, you know that scene in Blazing Saddles where they, um, they sort of, I don't know, they're sort of recruiting bad guys and it's right. just bad guys from like all around the world yeah. from every era just yeah. queuing up and it was sort of like that cabinet. It's just like it kind of rough people of all ethnicities. It really was. And it's sort of like kind of wacky races sort of thing where <laughs> yeah. it's just like all these oddballs mm. and you sort of think like why, like I mean, I remember because when I was about 14 or 15, it was a rare event to meet a uh, Spanish person in London to the point where they sussed out you, you were Spanish. They'd be like, oh, what are you doing here? And you'd have a little chat about it. Yeah. You know, that's not the case anymore. No, no. You know, if I, if I go to, you know, the Tasca, I'm going to ask for the chorizo, right? Because yeah. the minute I'm saying, say, like, I don't know, yeah, and uh, the chorizo with vino, and he's going to say, ah, this is Espanol. <laughs> it's going to be a whole chat. And it's like, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> chorizo. <laughs> chorizo, you know. But um, to the point now where when you walk down Camden High Street, I guarantee you, you're going to find at least one Spaniard juggling <laughs> or vaping and I mean you know not, not to like sort of sound like you get but it's bizarre to sort of hear yeah. Spanish spoken so widely in the place where I grew up where it was like my mates were like oh yeah like you're Spanish and I was like the Spaniard and that was yeah, like yeah. my thing but then I don't know just I don't really know where I'm going with that but I, I don't know no nah, but like, no it's the same where I think my primary school you know it's in like Woolworth right. you know, zone 2 of, of London and like it was like remarkable how like English it was, right. you know, yeah, not, yeah, not yeah. just the kind of not just white, but also just like very English. Right. Where I went to school, um, Borough of Camden, I mean, it was you know at least like let's say like one half ethnic minority. Sure. Yeah. yeah. But we're talking, you know, kids from parents from Pakistan or India or the Caribbean. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So like the kind of standard diversity that London has always had. Yeah. But there were no other Spanish kids in the school. Mm. Whereas, like, all Polish, for example, there were yeah, like yeah, two yeah. Polish kids in my school because there were like 3,000 of us. Like, I don't know what the deal is today, but I'm telling you, there's going to be yeah. all kinds of. I mean, I work in a primary school right. um, in the office. So, I mean, I'm sort of typing everybody's ethnicity in right. at some point. And it is, I mean, there's so many people from Latin America right. and, and Spain. Right. Um, like, it's like. It's it's just like that. I mean, that's probably the biggest. It's in terms of the ethnic diversity of certainly Southwark. I mean, I'd say that's probably that's got to be the biggest change in sort of my lifetime. Right, yeah. I mean, apparently Carnival del Pueblo. Is, oh yeah. is pretty lively, man. Well, I mean, the thing is about it is that like, because I remember it in Spain as well, in the sense that so I can remember just as an example, very clearly the first time in my life I saw somebody who was black. I remember it crystal clear, and it was on in fact the bridge in Camden. Oh, right. And I remember I was holding my mum's hand. I was only little. And I was holding my mum's hand. And I was like pointing. I was like, mum, look. Right? Because I'd literally never seen somebody like in real life. Yeah. And that's a comment on Spain. Sure, Because yeah, Spain yeah. at that time, it's just... Sim- so like you would see like 
maybe a few people from <laughs> some of the you, It wasn't Franco era, was it? Just no, it, well, he, he died um, a few years before. Yeah, it's only a couple he, he of years. He died in 1975. Right? So, oh, was it as early as that? I was thinking yeah, 1975. But okay. what I would say is there was a lot of hangover still. Sure, yeah, things move slowly, um, don't they? Yeah. And also a lot of uncertainty. You know, it's sort of like when you're only four or five years out of a dictatorship, yeah, yeah. The, the tank's on the street and the coup sure. is still fresh in the mind. I just want to, I don't want people to think I think you're in your mid 40s next. <laughs> just to clarify. Just to clarify that. Yeah. Like, oh, 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 1975, surprising. Yeah. They've got so your book in their basket, they're like, I don't. <laughs> yeah, not in that. Not in that. Um, where was I going with that? Yeah, so, and so that was, so at the time, there wasn't really any diversity in um, Spain. And we're talking about Madrid. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Not some like, little town. Um, by the time I was about 12, uh, in kind of more or less central Madrid where, where I was living, um, you know, you'd get cool shops on every street corner, you'd get people from Latin America, every slice of kind of uh, Latin America all over the place. And I think that is why a lot of the stuff that you see um, here about sovereignty and identity, even mm. though when you ask someone, what does that mean? They can't give a straight answer. Um, that's also been tossed about in Spain a lot. Um, oh, yeah. But the reason why it's kind of trickier to get your Tommy Robinsons over there to get prominence is because people still remember what actually happens when you follow that yeah, kind right, of, right, when, right. when you go down the avenue of fascism, people yeah. are like, well, it's still well within living memory. Wasn't great, so let's be careful about yeah, yeah. saying these kinds of Whereas things I in think public. We have this kind of false idea that we are the good guys. Right. Like historically being the good guys yeah. since the beginning of time, yeah. since sort of Jesus came over and walked on our yeah. pastures or whatever. Speaking and English. And like, you know, fascism, well, that was a thing that we defeated in Germany. Right. And it's like completely a false picture, isn't it? Well, I mean, a friend of mine said that uh, he knows somebody who went to the World Cup and against Colombia, the uh, England fans were singing we shot down your effing planes. And he was just like, why are they singing about the Luftwaffe? I'm not sure these Colombians, but, but there is something to like, okay, that's ironic. And it's sort of like, yeah, let's sing the Luftwaffe song against the Colombians. That would be funny. But, but it is that, that the joke is kind of like, the kernel is, of truth in there is, we do stand for righteousness, right? Like when it came to the crunch, we stood against this. Yeah. And the, the idea that democracy, it, it kind of, um, is in, it's soaked through the, the fabric of society in this country. So Nigel Farage can say some silly things and we can do Brexit, we can do all of this and we are impeachable because fundamentally we're the good guys, as you say. I don't know, man, like, taking that for granted where, yeah. you know, a woman had to throw herself in front of a horse. You know, like, yeah, those yeah. things are within 100 years odd, right? Sure, sure. But like you say, I mean, like, if, I mean, Franco died in 1975. I mean, yeah. that's not all that at all, is it? No, it's not. Anyway, so moving on to From Madrid. From fascism, yeah. Like, we've covered London, I think. Yeah. But, so Madrid, yeah, I don't mean to yeah. be rude, right? No, no, When please. I say this, I'm going to say it regardless, yeah. No offence. So, like, people, like, New York, yeah, people lose uh -huh. their minds over it, don't they? Yeah, they really Berlin. Do. Yeah, like, yeah. People always say how great it's Barcelona, Rome, don't, don't Paris. On Barcelona. Nobody ever says Madrid's good, man. No, they don't. Nobody's ever said to me, you should go to Madrid, ever. Maybe you won't. You should go to Madrid. <laughs> <laughs> you should definitely. What's the, what's the idea? Why is that the case, do you think? I think, well, partly that's because of Barcelona. It's closer. It's kind of, it's had an easy jet route for 30 years, 20 years, whatever it is, you know. Um, and I think as well, because um, it is a kind of, it's a bit kind of flashier. It's on the beach. Yeah. You know, um, you know, you've got La Familia Sagrada's there and, you know, you've got lovely architecture and all those things. Spain, I think, or rather Madrid kind of flies under the radar a little bit. 
in that sense. It's kind of a worker city. Right. Um, they're not so kind of, I mean, I'm generalising massive, massively here, but they're not so kind of hoity-toity about we're creative here and we're artists sure. here. And it's not that you can't go there and see, you know, a bloke writing poetry on a typewriter in a cafe and, you know, he's got a flower in his head. Like, those things are there. Mm. But um, it's kind of less of a, an artsy city as a rule. But as um, a functioning city... Yeah, right. To um, live, maybe it's good, yeah? I would say the quality of life in Madrid... Um, I mean, I'm probably biased, but but as a balance, all things equal, it's one of the finest cities um, to live in. Yeah. And and I say that having, like, you know, been around a bit. As a city, because not only is it beautiful, but the whole part of why I do like it is because it does fly under the radar a little bit. Yeah. So I'm not saying there aren't loads of tourists, because, of course, there are tourists everywhere, but it isn't, you know, just like if you're on the plane to Madrid, it's not just like a cylinder of you know, men on their stag dudes. Do you know what I mean? Like, just like, <laughs> it's, it's, that's not the only thing going on. Whereas I think if you were, lived in Prague or something, you're going back there. Oh, you get sick of that when you I yeah. mean, so, um, I don't know really what that is. It, it also is quite small as well. I mean, it's yeah, what, I think there's some five odd million there. people. Yeah. It's not very big as a place. No beach in it, like you no say. No beach, bang in the middle, which is why it's the capital, because it was physically the... Um, and I suppose in Britain, people are quite used to going on holiday all over Spain, aren't they, in a way? Yeah. You know, on the coast and whatnot. I mean, I, I, I feel like most people I know here, or most of my mates, have been, yeah. and always like it. And I think if you said to anyone who's been, did you like it, they'd be like, yeah, it's great. Yeah. You know, the food is great, it's cheap. You go out for beers, it's cheap, you yeah. know. Is there a monument? They've got no icon, maybe. Um, I mean, Do you know what I mean? Like, you know, you go, yeah, like the Eiffel you, Tower. Yeah, exactly. You name all those places, there's somewhere yeah, that's not, not really, I mean, there are, there are a few things, but nothing that um, I think would be like iconic. It's, you know, it's not like the Arc de Triomphe or, yeah, yeah. or whatever it would be. So would, I don't Would know. you take a job with a Madrid tourist board? <laughs> I, I, I don't think they'd have me. I don't think they'd, like, the best I can come up with is like not, not many stag dudes go. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? But um, no, it's, it is a lovely city. So uh, if anyone's listening, go because it's a blinding little place. And um, what is nice about it as well is that the um, the kind of you do get this mixture now today where there are people from all over the shop there, and it is it's not this kind of homogenous thing that it was in my childhood, which wasn't necessarily a nice like I still remember um, people going for a walk on a Sunday as a family activity, and everybody had to get dressed to the nines. Really? To go for a walk, you know? and it sounds like I don't know, a little house on the prairie or something like that. So, but uh, yeah, no, blind in little city. I mean, LA I've always has always appealed to me. Mm-hmm. I've sort of had this sort of um, ridiculous, really, but this idea that I wasn't going to go until I was invited. And I don't, okay. mean, I don't mean by you, I mean by Hollywood. <laughs> <laughs> like get an email from Hollywood, you know, you're ready for you to come over. Um, but I was watching, I was watching Heat recently, oh, and. Yeah. Um, like Barton Fink, I was watching yeah. a few days ago. Like there's like a big Lebowski. There's like yeah. so many like great LA. Obviously, like yeah. the, the whole towns are in it. But um, it appeals to me, man. Well, and I think as well, for most people who are into like films, mm. um, certainly of a particular genre of film, it is kind of the landscape of your childhood to some extent. Do you know what I mean? It's yeah. a lot of the tremendous. I mean, you know, you see Chinatown, you see Heat. Um, you read Raymond Chandler, whatever it might be, these great kind of mystery stories um, are so closely tied up with this this uh, landscape where kind of sin and virtue or, or wealth and poverty, that the contrast is what mm. makes the kind of landscape or shapes yeah, yeah. the landscape. 
So the, the, the people who've never been to LA will kind of know that, oh, it's got the glam, you know, it's glamorous on one side, but it's also kind of like seedy on the other side. People who've never been, right? The other thing that often people will say to me is like, I'll oh, be careful there. And you'll be like, so what, you, what in particular are you talking about? And I'll be like, I don't actually know. I mean, <laughs> are you talking about like the riots or like yeah. Rodney King? Like, what is it? I don't know. So it's this weird kind of... Um, it seems to be like, I mean, I'm quite, I'm not, um, I'm a bit ignorant on like world geography, so you, you can correct me, mm-hmm. but it seems to be quite atypical the way it's so kind of spread out, right? Yeah. You know, it just seems, you know, again, watch from like, from films, like you can go to, it just seems like, like there's like, it's like a load of cities like coupled yeah. together. Yeah. You know, say, say a film like, um, I don't know, Collateral, that's mm-hmm. LA, isn't it? Yeah. But like, you feel like you kind of, there's sort of cities you couldn't really do that in. Yeah. Well, I mean, also the, the kind of the, the scale of it. I mean, it's vast. I mean, it's massive. It's, I mean, I don't know what, what the actual number is, but we're talking like twenty-five million people, and um, and it is a bunch of cities that form the city of Los Angeles, right? Mm. So you'll be driving around, and it will say, you know, now entering the city of Vernon, right? Well, Vernon is in LA, but it is its own city. Right, right, right. Um, but or like if you're in Santa Monica, I don't know if a police car goes by, it will say, you know, Santa Monica Police Department. So, I mean, you know, it's, it's zoning and tax laws and all of this. But, um, I mean, I do remember kind of seeing these old film noir movies and, like, one minute they're in some downtown cocktail place and then there's a car chase and they're up a mountain and then they're in the desert, but then they're by the beach. And you sort of think, how can all of this yeah. be one place? But it is, um, and it is all there. I suppose that's part of why Hollywood works, isn't it? Right. I mean, I mean, probably the main reason is because they have light. Yeah, because it was the amount of hours of sunlight. Yeah, exactly. And apparently also it's something to do with the, the copyright. So that the, the, the kind of uh, red tape, the bureaucracy was centred in New York. Uh, so if you tried to tell yeah, a story sure, that sure. belonged to another guy, you'd get done. But if you went to the other All side right, of the country, yeah, yeah, right. mate, you could kind of get away with a lot more yeah. and stuff. But it is bizarre like when you start to read about the history of LA, stuff like um, it was David Niven who, was, um, who started or was part of the, the Hollywood Cricket Club. Reading about this the other day, sort of like you know this idea that like Hollywood wanted to kind of um, have this kind of genteel old money thing yeah, right. going on, um, yeah. But it, but it, no, it's got it's got those, it's got the desert, right? It's got mountain, it's got beach, it's got all of these kind of th- these landscapes which in another place would be separate places, if that yeah, makes yeah, sense. Yeah, yeah. Whereas in LA they're kind of all mushed together. Yeah. And I think because you don't really have um, it's only really in downtown where you've got your skyscrapers. The rest of it, for the most part, I mean, you know, Century City and stuff, but the rest of it is just flat. It's just mm. sprawling. So you can, if I said to you, all right, I'll meet you on Wilshire Boulevard and you didn't know the number, that street goes on for 20 miles. Really? Well, yeah. I mean, you just end up at the sea. Yeah, sure. So sure. you'd have to be, okay, but Wilshire and what? Like, yeah, what yeah. intersect? Because otherwise, whereas here, if I said to you, you know, meet you in, you know, Denmark Hill, Cold say. Harbour Lane. Right, you know, it's a long street, but yeah, yeah. More, more or less, you'd, mm. you know, you could walk up and down it. So, so yeah, it is a strange place, and it does take kind of like getting used to. But what you say is true. There is that that kind of surreal kind of familiarity to it, where you're like, oh, do I know this from? Yeah, oh, yeah. Is this? Did they use this in LA Confidential for the diner or what? You know, there are kind of echoes mm. all over the place in that city, which is quite nice, really. And in fact, I live around the corner from the where they filmed the, the bank heist in Heat. Really? Yeah, around the corner. They knocked down, did they knock down the diner? It closed down, didn't it? Yeah. They knocked down the diner from Pulp Fiction, man. That was on my list of places yeah. to go. But it was knocked down like years ago. No, years ago. There's, um, there are, yeah, there's a bunch of places that were in stuff like the first Terminator film. 
Because right. I live in downtown LA and a lot of it was filmed. Oh, is that where it is? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but it used to be a lot more kind of rough. Yeah, as you can see. Yeah. Like, from as you can see in the film. Yeah, yeah. It's still not... Um, Where's the second one filmed? Where are those, like, that... They're, they're both filmed in uh, central LA. Way, yeah, yeah. The second one, I think they film it a lot more in kind of like Northridge. So stuff like um, where John Connor lives at the beginning. Yeah. You know, she's now my mother tired and all of that. That's how I like Northridge. <laughs> yeah. But then they'll be like, they'll have like the shopping centre will be there. But then the inside of the shopping centre, like a different one. Sure, yeah. Um, so that's kind of like more like kind of, I'd say, like North LA. Um, I'm very close to uh, Burbank, where yeah, the right. studios are. Mm. So oftentimes I think it's just like, well, okay, look, this is five miles away. Yeah, go around the corner. You know, yeah, just stick it around there. And yeah. you've got good weather 99% mm. of the year. So you don't have to kind of work around it. So. But, you know, it's strange living there because it's kind of, I think people assume that it's going to be this kind of glamorous thing. And my mates will be like, oh, get you living in LA, like, assuming that it's this glamorous yeah. lifestyle, which, uh, which of course it is, but no, it's not. So you've got two books out, Penguin Michael Joseph, yeah? So yeah. we know they're good, yeah? Second, well, they're not putting any on trash Speaks for itself. No, I've read them both. They're both great, <laughs> man. Both really good. Highly recommend them. You can get them from all usual places. Uh, I'm not going to say the name of the bookshop we met in. <laughs> and if you say I'll beep a, it out <laughs> a, a, a well known <laughs> yeah yeah not borders a well known high street chain uh, so your first book Blue Light Yokohama was that last year or the year before yeah it came out in 2017 uh, last year so um, set in uh, Tokyo uh-huh. your uh, detective is called Inspector Iwata is he, he is a detective though isn't it Detective yeah. Inspector Detective Inspector yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah, the first one is, uh, give us a brief summary of what it's about, Nick. Um, it's about a lonely Japanese detective who has to solve um, a family murder, like an entire family murdered, and the um, killer leaves behind a strange symbol in ash at the, uh, at the scene of the murder, which is loosely based on a true crime which happened in the year 2000. It's great, man. Thanks, man. I've, as I've said to you before, I'm, telling, I'm telling the listeners, man, if you... Uh, if you, if you enjoy detective fiction, man, you'll be all over it. Oh. Uh, so the second book is, mm-hmm. I'm not sure exactly when this podcast is coming out, but it'll be out. When's it, it out? It comes out on the 26th of July, so... Yeah, so the yeah. new book's out, Nick. It's out, man. <laughs> Available uh, in all good bookshops. Sins a scholar, and this time you've moved over to LA, yeah? I have, yeah. So the something I should have mentioned was that the detective himself, um, he is bicultural, so he is of Japanese parents but has grown up between Japan and uh, California, which kind of allows me to play around with um, being from two places and then also kind of being from no places um, mm. at the same time. So in the second book, he's moved um, back to California after the events of the first book, no spoilers, um, and he's left the um, Tokyo Homicide Unit and now he's working as a uh, private eye um, in Los Angeles. And so he's kind of investigating unfaithful uh, spouses and missing persons. And then, you know, kind of very simple, like, you know, work a day stuff. And then a case comes across his desk that um, drags him down the rabbit hole. So, yeah, the sequel is uh, set in California and uh, northern Mexico. And um, it's five years after the events of the first book. There's a lot of stuff in there that is... um unfortunately quite topical isn't it that you it know is, this yeah. is there's a lot of stuff about uh, uh what do you call it the kind of immigration trail is that the word yeah the kind of well i'd say it's a crisis really now yeah but i mean like the kind of like cr- the border crossing yeah, specifically yeah. 
um, you know, coming from Mexico to America, you know, it's a lot of, like that open the opening um, opening chapter. Would you like, mm-hmm. would you call it a chapter? It's like the prologue, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just like I was reading that like the day of like some horrible news break. I can't remember yeah. what it was now. Kids in cages, sort of. Yeah, literally. Right? Man. You know, it's like yeah. uh, horribly uh, prescient, isn't it? Yeah. Well, I mean, this is something where I wanted to write. I mean, kind of going back to what we were talking about. LA. I mean, I wanted to write something set in LA mm. since I was a kid, um, and then when the first book came out, it kind of gave me the means to go off and, and and do that. And so, kind of a few things came together, but basically, I didn't have to go to my day job anymore. So I sort of said to myself, "Well, I'm going to write a book about LA, and I'm going to go to LA and, mm. and do it there." And so, initially, I just kind of wanted to make it about Los Angeles as a place. And have my detective kind of move his practice, as it were, over to LA. But then when you walk around, um, it, it's not that like that kind of false celebrity isn't there, because it is. And the juice cleanses and all of that. But that, that's only a kind of very small part of that city. The rest of it, the kind of the heart of the city, is um, migrants who, you know, build that entire city. They're the lifeblood of that city. And whether they're Armenian and whether they're, they're Guatemalteco, wherever they're from, they are Angelino, right? Yeah. And there was something about that kind of melting pot that was familiar to me from London, but it was a completely different pot. You know, yeah, right. North Koreans, mm. Vietnamese, whatever it might be. Not that like there aren't any of those people here in London, but over there, it's, it's just like a different kind of... Um, so that really interests me. I suppose especially being Spanish as well. Right, and people, right. Uh, well, and I mean, how far off is Mexican Spanish? Well, I mean, it's the same language, but it's kind of like the. It's just the. Some words are different, but is it like speaking, talking to a Geordie? Pretty much, pretty much, yeah, but just less mystifying. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, pretty much, and I mean, it, it depends on which country in Latin America you're talking mm. about. I mean, Spanish um, in Chile. I mean, that accent is kind of, for me, it's the, it's the kind of the hardest to understand. You speak to a Colombian, and it's. You know, not a bother. You yeah. speak to an Argentine person, the accent is kind of, it almost sounds Italian. Oh, right. You know. No, but I mean, it's muy fácil, you know, it's like, but it's my language. So Mamma mia. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so, so kind of like seeing this, um, this LA that kind of you don't get to see if you go to the Hollywood Walk of Fame and, you know, Universal Studios and then the beach and you go home. The kind of, I don't want to say the real LA, but the kind of, the, the, yeah, the, the working heart of the city. Yeah was, um, I mean, you know, everywhere you go, you hear the Spanish language spoken, everywhere. Um, If you get a job in the police force, you need to speak the language because it's going to be your day-to-day. And so this kind of world within a world really kind of uh, drew me in. And that naturally naturally kind of led to um, people in shitty situations. Can I swear on this? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Shitty situations. So stuff like, I mean, I found myself just walking into the Greyhound bus stop, right, which is in Skid Row, which which is in downtown, which is close to where I live. And downtown, um, or Skid Row, for people who don't know, is the, in LA is the capital, the homeless capital of the United States. So we're talking about 50 square blocks. Um, wow. So it's quite a large area, and the population goes up and down um, by its nature. But you're talking about thousands and thousands of homeless people um, concentrated in a kind of wasteland in downtown LA. Mm. But you can see Bunker Hill from it. 
so Bunker Hill? Bunker Hill is kind of like the Canary Wharf of LA. Okay, yeah. So you can kind of see in the distance, you know, a, a guy with a $10,000 briefcase. Yeah. Right? But then you look to your right and there's a dead bloke in an alleyway, literally with like a syringe hanging out his ankle. And it's not that London doesn't have those contrasts, but they're just so kind of bald. Yeah, yeah. You know, well, there's no kind of that with Skid Row, there's nothing of that size, right? Like, right, even like, do you remember Cardboard City around the Waterloo, right. where the IMAX is right. now? I mean, I mean, that's tiny in comparison, yeah. It? It, and I mean, and also, there are, I mean, not to sort of you know be down on, on America as a whole because I want them to let me back in, <laughs> <laughs> but um, there are kind of systems in place here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which exactly. are constantly under attack, but but there are kind of layers here. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. So you would not see, generally, you're not going to see like an entire family homeless on the street. Yeah. Right? Generally. Whereas in LA, I mean, it's especially around the time of the financial crisis, you know, from what you read and from what people say, I mean, you know, you see an entire family in a, in a car under a bridge. Yeah. Because things went south. And I mean, you know, you get sacked there. It's not like there's your two weeks. It's pick up your shit, yeah, go. Yeah, it's mad, isn't it? When you watch films... Yeah, and you're like, uh, you know, someone just gets sacked. You're like, this, this, this is not realistic. No. Yeah. Oh, oh no, it is realistic. That's what it's like. Yeah. Over there. I mean, obviously, it depends on like what what job you're talking mm. about. But so anyway, the kind of the sense of um, I don't know, you know, what the word is, but there is a kind of like survivalism that's needed to some extent there, mm. and the, the the kind of dog eat dog reality of I'm going to get mine, I think, is also driven by the fact that because if you don't. What's the alternative there? Yeah, right. Go on the dull. Yeah, it's like the sort of Wild West sort of never went away. Right. Um, yeah, LA noir, I suppose, or yeah. detective fiction, however you look at it, is um, it's such a rich thing. It really is. Uh, rich, uh, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> What's the word I'm looking for? History. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, your book is like very much sort of aware of the history, isn't it? Yeah, so I think, yeah, so sorry, the, the, the thing I was going to say about the Greyhound bus stop is that I found myself walking in there um, in February of 2016, which was before my first book had even come out, um, but I knew I had to write a follow-up, and I found myself in that bus stop, and you see people who've crossed over uh, illegally, and they're kind of, that, that like bus stop is the end of the rainbow for them, so they've made it to LA, and their family is there, or their brother is there, or their cousin is there, or whatever it might be waiting for them and now they're there and now they can work and so you see these people getting off the, the bus um, and just like the relief mm. and that you could overhit what well, I mean I can overhear what they're saying and um, then the family member would say don't worry right I've got a place at such and such a garage or such and such a construction site or there is this toilet that needs a cleaner or whatever it might be and so they've gone through this Odyssey, where they've, you know, walked through a desert for six days, and I mean, you know, literally risked life and limb, to get a job cleaning toilets at the end of it, to send money home. And the idea that we as a society would say, fuck these people, you know, we're talking about, we're not saying like, oh, they're, they're going to come here and run for president. It's like literally make a little bit of money and send that home, and pay taxes at the same time. Yeah, right. The idea that we would say, no, out of order. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. So, so quite early on, I kind of realised that I wanted to doff my cap to those rich crime fiction literary traditions, mm. but also write a story about um, people in desperate situations in LA. Yeah. Which, if you're going to do that about LA, you're either going to talk about homelessness and uh, the kind of marginalised um, 
subculture really which in LA is vast I mean people go there with ideas about you know the silver screen or they're going to wait to be invited as you as, as you say right? <laughs> that's why I'm not you going know? there I'm not going to bus station and the reality is that's that city is kind of a, it, it's born out of hopefuls right yeah. and there are men there who eat people like that alive man it's like you turn up with these stars in your eyes thinking it's going to be this it's going to be that and it's like London man it's like you know when people come from up north to London they go oh you know people not very friendly down here and it's like well it's London you know? yeah, <laughs> what yeah. did you think it was going to be you know yeah. so um, so yeah it was it was kind of a I don't know it was I, I wouldn't go so far as to say like a niche thing but I definitely wanted to kind of do two things with, yeah yeah you know which was it right. almost uses the framework of one yeah and then you can sort of fill it in with, with the other stuff yeah, yeah, the other stuff. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, the life. Yeah, no, no, that. I do, I do, I do. Um, you know, I read a book uh, recently, um, Bang Said the Gun. Mm-hmm. No, 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 that's not what it's called. So that's the name of a terrible poetry note. It's called... <laughs> I was going to say, it sounds awful. It's called Gun, Gun with Occasional Music by Jonathan Lethem. Do you know him? Oh, okay, no, I don't. So he wrote uh, Marvelous Brooklyn, which is brilliant, and... Um, uh, Fortress of Solitude, which oh, one that. I think one might want some prizes. He's yeah. superb. He's so good, man. But yeah, he wrote. So he wrote this book, and it's set sort of fifty years in the future. And it's not LA, but it's it, my yeah. San Francisco. Maybe it's okay, somewhere right, on right, around right. in California. Um, and it's basically like a Raymond Chandler, right. you know, uh, this is about a PI. Mm-hmm. But like, there's all these like genetically uh, modified animals. They're basically mm. just like humans and stuff. Okay. It's just, like it's it's kind of it just like play. It's like a sort of science fictiony, but sort of really just plays with a detective right. form. Right. Um, but Chandler, I mean, you'd you'd account him as an influence, would you? Yeah, and I mean, I think sort of um, almost like a, as a cultural one as much as a literary one. Do you know what I mean? Like, mm. his it's actually interesting. A lot of the um, film noir and a lot of the crime novels that are often associated with LA were actually set originally in San Francisco but when they made the movie version of it oh, really? they would just sort of transport oh, them down oh, to, yeah. to LA or not tell you which city it's in yeah, yeah. or sometimes set them in San Francisco but then there's like palm trees and stuff in the background and you're like it's like uh, the I don't know if you've ever seen Rumble in the Bronx Jackie Chan no, I haven't. you're missing out but, <laughs> it's, uh, it's, set, it's set in the Bronx yeah, yeah. and uh, they filmed it in Vancouver so there's like fight scenes where he's doing backflips and in the background you can see like mountains and like yeah, nice. you know so but um yeah no Chandler I think more for the more for the kind of the way in which people speak about Chandler they often kind of reference the the kind of like punchy kind of mm. like witty you know she was a blonde the kind of blonde that blah 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 you know yeah, people yeah. often kind of go to make those. a bishop dig a hole yeah. in a stained glass window and uh, you know they're like he was about as conspicuous as you know tarantula on a slice of angel food whatever it might yeah. be right and I kind of get why people do go to those because mm. they do catch the eye but be beneath them he um, often kind of weaves quite kind of like I don't want to say sort of like quietly philosophical but he's kind of talking about LA as a place without those kind of you know flashy descriptions he'll, he'll, you know there's this kind of like quiet undercurrent of the city that he's constantly talking about and I think that was definitely part of my childhood where I kind of, as a kid, thought, man, I, I want to go to this place. Mm. I want to walk really down those tunnels. It, he really does. Yeah, yeah. He really does. I mean, that's that's one of the one of my South London links, isn't it? You know, he went to Dulwich College. From, I do know that, yeah. Yeah, from 1900 to 1905, and then he taught there in 1910, 1911. Apparently kept in touch with a lot of people and stuff. Did he? Yeah, yeah, he was like, because he's, I mean, he's American, isn't he? Yeah. 
it sort of moved about a bit. But he was one of those sort of discoveries on the show where we just like couldn't quite believe it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, a bit like Bob Hope, you know, Bob Hope is from, yeah, like, yeah. from Elton. The other sort of vague link I was sort of going to draw, maybe you'll shoot me down, but since of Scarlet, mm-hmm. couldn't help but think of Sherlock Holmes there, man. A study uh, in Scarlet. Did well, it come to mind or was that only afterwards? I'm, I'm glad and frankly impressed that you picked that out. Um, <laughs> and also, apparently part of it is, I'm not read it, I read one of his books for the show, um, but apparently part of it is set in Brixton. Well, well not, I, apparently, I mean, it is. <laughs> that's what I'd say. Well, I, did, I, I actually remember flipping through that. Um, I was going to say the name of the place where we worked, at the high street, <laughs> at the well-established high street chain where we both worked. And, um, yeah, I don't know, like, a lot of um, authors do talk about Sherlock Holmes is a kind of like an inspirational kind of figure and part of the reason why they write crime mm. fiction. I'm not sure if I really have anybody like that that made me go, I want to write detectives too. I'm not sure I ever had yeah, that. I kind okay. of fell into it more than kind of set out as a kid to, to do this. Yeah. Always loved it and always thought, I want to do that one day, but never really kind of had any kind of plan. I think for me, like, that title in specific, well, first of all, I knew I had to have, uh, have a colour because for them, this is going to be a trilogy. Well, it was originally going to be a trilogy of Inspector Iwata novels. Penguin have offered me a fourth book. And I was like, yeah, this yeah, definitely. Like, like, book 20, isn't it? <laughs> it's like, yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. I've got ideas. The Indigo Killer. <laughs> like, but my condition for the fourth book was no more colours. Right? Is that a title? Yeah, like the beige assassin or whatever. <laughs> which was actually my football nickname. It wasn't. Um, but the, 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 so I knew I had to have a colour in it. Mm. Um, and I thought, well, I don't want to do red. Because, mm. and also I kind of wanted something to kind of, like the first book, right? Blue Light Yokohama is also a Japanese love song. That was uh, number one in 1969 on Christmas Day. Um, yeah. And uh, the lyrics run through the book and they're kind of stuck in the detective's head. And it kind of forms the heart of the novel. Yeah, yeah. And I yeah. wanted my time to The 45, to, the seven inches yeah. significant, isn't it? Right. Well, and also... I paid a lot of money to get the rights to those lyrics as well. Oh, really? Yeah. D- d- didn't think about that when no. I wrote the book. And then they're like, yeah, he... Uh, so this, like, elderly Japanese composer, just, like, Sony rang him up and they're like, this kid on the other side of the world wants to use your lyrics for a song in this book. And he's like, what's it about? And, like, told, they told him, I guess. And he was like, all right. Wow. <laughs> 8K, please. <laughs> so really? Like, yeah. But I, I was like, it was out of my advance money. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, so yeah. I was like, come on then. What is it your money or? to me? <laughs> yeah. But uh, cryptocurrency. Yeah. No. Um, so I knew I wanted something um, to be the title that wasn't just going to be like a gimmick. Mm. Like, oh, it's another colour. I wanted it to kind of form the heart of the novel. And um, I wanted the second book to do, to sort of be to do with redemption and with guilt and with past sins and kind of sort of trying to make up for that. And so the kind of the heart of the, the second book is the detective kind of um, trying to atone for his past. Yeah. And Sins of Scarlet is also from the Bible. Um, but yeah, it was definitely influenced by um, A Study in Scarlet. And there's also a film noir movie, which is, oh, I can't remember it exactly, but it also references, it's like the Scarlet something or other. Oh, okay, yeah. Once I like the Scarlet, it's not the Scarlet Dame, but it's something like that. Yeah. But I don't know, it just sort of seemed to fit quite yeah, comfortably yeah. within that kind of sphere. Well, as I say, Nick, they're great books, man. Um, and I can see what you're saying 
speaking to you about it that you sort of have not come at, come at it from the you know here's my troubled detective and right. we've got 25 books out of it right. <laughs> it's more for, I could see you know your exploration of places and people right. yeah. and stuff and that is like the framework for it um, but no I mean the way you sort of balance the plot and stuff is like it's really masterful man well done thanks bro um, if you use the Amazon link or southlandhardcore.com we'll get a little kickback but don't feel you have to go and support your local bookshop innit not necessarily e- either or either or man there's Up options available uh, Nick, what's your website, man? So it's www. <laughs> <laughs> no, obregonbooks. and that's o b r e g o n books. com, all one word. And any uh, social media we should you can to. yeah find me on Twitter or Instagram. They're the same. It's the same um, handle. Obregon books. Obregon books. Yeah. Alright, thanks for joining us today, Nick. Pleasure, Jack. Thank you. And next time, Steve will be on, I reckon. Um.